Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Solmaz Horo. Shahien, also known as the Curious Creature. She is a blogger and social media influencer based right here in Toronto. How are you doing today, Salmaz? I'm great. And the attempt at the last name, you get you get points for that, Brad. Woohoo! <laughs> Shahian, which is a mouthful, 14 letters, and it took me many years to learn how to spell it uh, in English letters at least. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so how are you today? I'm good. You know, it's good. Yeah. Can be. I, I heard someone say pandemic fine, and I'm pandemic fine. All right. We'll healthy, with that. happy, and, and we're good. <laughs> I'll have to remember that when next time somebody asks me how I'm doing. I'll, pandemic fine, I guess. Yeah, it's relative, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Salmaz, as I mentioned, you're a blogger, a social media influencer, an entrepreneur, a communications expert, a storyteller, and last but of course, certainly not least, a mother. That's a lot of hats to wear. How on earth do you prioritize and find the time for all of it? Well, I'd like to say that I uh, do it all perfectly and elegantly, and that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you know, it's it's very difficult to, to, to juggle all those hats, and I don't mm-hmm. think anyone executes them all uh, to the best of their abilities because there's just not enough time. Mm-hmm. And for that, you need, I think, community. I mean, for, for me at least, I would be nowhere without my community, and by that it could be my family, friends, online community. I just need that help uh, to do any of that, really. So some of it, uh, from a professional standpoint, is delegating and getting people to help me with my business. But from a personal standpoint, it's more so um, the support that I'm getting from my husband, my my mom, and my extended family to just move this ship forward. <laughs> I yeah. think uh, it's, it's hard to do it all by yourself. Oh, and I un- unlearned something that is the art of perfection, which I spent half my life trying to learn. There you uh, go. And yeah, just kind of mo- moving, moving as well as we can, when we mm-hmm. can, how we can. Yeah. I mean, motherhood alone is, is a huge job in itself. And that is probably the toughest job of them all. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely challenging. Every day is different. You have yes. to be on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. How did you get into blogging? How did that journey start for you? It's an interesting start because it was very organic. Uh, I didn't think about getting into blogging myself. It was a friend of mine who uh, who asked me to start a website to basically put all of my travel recommendations because I traveled a lot. My family's always lived abroad. I always, when I was younger, was going back and forth between countries and, and they thought that what I was doing was pretty cool and, and they wanted those recommendations and they knew that I was long-winded and they needed to pr- provide context and photos. And they just said to me like, why don't you just put this on a website so you don't have to repeat yourself every time asks you someone asks you for you know their, your recommendation for a trip to Thailand per se mm, yeah and I, I was like they're onto something because there's there's a lot that goes around it you know I'm, I'm not just that I like to know who I'm speaking to to be able to flush out some of the questions so I can cater my responses kind of to that person and my recommendations so a blog provided me an outlet to, to give a lot more context and and to p- provide uh, photos and other kinds of memories and almost act as a journal for myself too to jog my own <laughs> so yeah it just started off like that it, there was no business intent behind it there was no uh there's nothing else other than a creative outlet and also to share these these uh recommendations with my friends and family and then I started seeing people pop up from all over the world just in the comment sections and I thought wow someone's taking the time to read this yes. this is back in 2013 I mean blogging was happening for long before then but for me it was very new uh, I didn't really it felt like I was just putting out words into the the universe and, and mm-hmm. some people were just you know catching them and, and responding back right 
was writing always a part of who you are? Have you always been into writing and, and been writing stuff? Absolutely not. It, really? I actually hate writing. <laughs> 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 Isn't that funny? A blogger that hates writing? writing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I, it's never been a part of who, how I've expressed myself. I've expressed myself in so many other ways, verbally mostly, um, uh-huh. but I, I had to learn how to write and, and kind of stem it from how I speak. And I realized when I started my blog that if I were to write in a, in a grammatically um, perfected way and, and in a structured way, that it wasn't going to be very fun for me. I did that. I did that for work. So when I worked in, um, I, when I, after I graduated university, I worked in the government of Ontario, I was a speech writer, I was writing press releases, I was wow. doing a lot of uh, writing in that capacity. And then I also went into the uh, private sector and corporate life of PR and, and did a lot of that there too. So I had to learn how to write and that, that was that was done. Uh, but when I started my own site, I didn't want any of that. I didn't want the rules. You'll, you'll get to know me through this interview that I don't really like rules. <laughs> and, and grammar is one of those, uh, one of those spaces where I acknowledge that they, that the rules exist, but mm. I sometimes, um, acknowledge them and then ignore, them, ignore it. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it's a good thing that you're an entrepreneur, a, a solo entrepreneur, as opposed to working for someone else then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I quickly learned that autonomy was the way to go for me. And, and, I, and I needed to be my own, my own uh, business, basically, and a solo entrepreneur. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge for me to fit in to institutions. And it was funny because I was always, I mean, we all are raised through institutions after school. Mm-hmm. But then I went to the government, which was very institutional. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was quite uh, a breaking of, of that. So you being a social media influencer, was that just a natural progression into becoming a social media influencer? Yeah. I mean, kind of like it, it started by sharing what I love. Uh, and that's really where this, the blog kind of stemmed from. But when I was working in, in PR as well, I, I got to kind of see the other side of the industry and it kind of all merged into one, one path at one point. Uh, and it became a natural progression. And, but I've always been a natural sharer that, that is always been something even when I was a kid if I found an ice cream shop I loved like I had to take all the kids to that yeah. shop and show them the flavors and like, <laughs> bring joy to them through that and, and, and hope that it would resonate and you know sometimes it wouldn't but um I was always, <laughs> always connecting people to things that I loved and so it was a natural progression from who I am as a person uh-huh. uh, it just kind of gave me an outlet to share to share those passions and I've been very lucky to have uh, done so so far so nice spreading the joy Spreading the joy through one it. ice cream at a time. <laughs> they weren't always healthy, yeah, but, but they were definitely. Right, when you're, when you're a kid, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. I think I told more jolts. I don't know if you remember jolts. Yeah, after. jolt cola, yes. <laughs> I think if I had commissions on those when I was younger, I would have uh, made, made a few bucks. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite part of your career? What lights you up the most about it? 100% the traveling, traveling yeah. the world and connecting to people mainly through food. That yeah. is, that is always been what has lit me up. And I hope after this pandemic is over, I can get back to that because I've lost my, lost my love. I lo- I've lost my wings and, and I yeah. haven't been able to, to connect with people. And I think that's, that's really my, my favorite part. Like I do everything else to be able to feed that part of my of my work and to share stories and to connect with people all around the globe has been uh, a true blessing and I'm so grateful and I know I know the amount of privilege that's attached to that and I I I recognize it and I and I am appreciative of it so how has this then been for you personally then with it affecting how that part of your business I mean that is obviously part of your business to travel part of it and and then of course writing about those travels but how has this been for you personally dealing with that, the fact that you can't travel? And the second part is to the question is, what are your thoughts and feelings on these people that are traveling, even though they shouldn't be traveling during this time? Oh, all kinds of moral and ethics. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it turned my life upside down, really, truly. I mean, I've, I've, I've been traveling full time for quite, quite a few years and 
it's uh it's like taking a part of my my limb <laughs> like it, yeah. it felt very strange to be grounded uh physically i i kind of i've always learned to to live with what i have so i'm not i don't look at the, at the photos and cry and and you know uh, <laughs> and get really sad about that that loss because i do know that it's going to come back i have i'm hopeful and i i have a science background so i very much understand viruses and how we're how we're moving forward with this but um yeah it was just it, it was hard it at first it felt I, I knew it wasn't going to be temporary so that was the hard part in my head on the science side I, I knew that it, would, it was going to be a longer cycle and and that I had to really hunker down and, and, and think about this as a as a longer term thing it wasn't just going to be a couple of days where I think the general public had a lot more optimism and hope and, and that it would resolve itself much quicker mm-hmm. than it did so it was um but telling myself that, you know, it was going to return and that it will, you know, I've, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to, to have all the experiences that I have had, like people can't squeeze that many travels in their entire right. lives. I'm very aware of that. So it was uh, more so gratitude for what has happened and hope for what will, but it uh, definitely turned everything upside down. My, my business has always been twofold. It's uh, part travel, part food okay. so the food uh, the consumer side of food really amped up because what else are we doing during the pandemic other than eating and drinking yeah. so it, i did a lot i've been doing a lot of uh, corporate campaigns uh to, to promote the brands that i love in that space so that's been really fun i've made more recipes than I ever thought uh, I could <laughs> actually right now I was just making a Greek Easter bread in my kitchen so it was um the, the kitchen's a mess uh, it's brought my husband in in a very different role because he's working from home and he's now become kind of my de facto assistant uh so he's been assisting a lot like it or not uh in the kitchen and mm-hmm. you know with cleanup and and all that stuff too uh, it's uh it's a whole team effort there and uh, the second part of your question how do I feel about people traveling oh gosh that is a that's a hard one because I know many of them very personally mm-hmm. um and I think morally and ethically uh I'm opposed to it I don't think it's a it's a good idea I, it can wait unless it can't you know like so if it's for family emergencies and things yeah. that are really uh pressing people to travel I think you kind of have to do what what you have to do there and mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people who've traveled for funerals of their of their um parents for example or siblings that that's that's a different uh, pocket, but travel for leisure. Currently, I, you know, I think economically it's important for those countries receiving the tourism for sure. I've always thought that. And when you look at the depths of both of those topics, it, they're, it, they're quite uh, intricate and, and harder to digest than just at the surface. Yeah. But um yeah, I think economically it's important for those countries, but the long-term effects of, of bringing in a virus uh, that to a place that may not even have it or have very l- little in this population, it's, it's a bigger question of ethics and I don't uh, like it, which is why I don't do it. I think uh, I'm going to, I personally had to shift my business uh, to, to accommodate that. And I was hoping that many else others would as well. Uh, Some have, some have, I mean, they've, they've, some have even left travel completely and Mm -hmm. and started in other industries and they had to, because that was, uh, they weren't going to get on the flight for their own safety, for the receiving countries, for all the other layers of it. But right. yeah, it's hard. I get it. I get it. And all, everyone has a different circumstance. Some people yeah. have um, illnesses where they know they have a limited amount of time to do things that some people are going for family purposes. Some people are, you know, they, they've, there's so many different reasons to get on those planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've personally chosen not to uh, for since my last trip was, to ironically bad to the happiest place on earth uh which was walt disney yeah and uh that was <laughs> that was my last trip last February wow. internationally so i haven't i haven't personally traveled i've been approached to travel mm-hmm. so what's really interesting about this uh industry is that uh every country is in a different place so you have all these um spots who are still looking to bring in that economy i get it especially the island economies like they really are reliant and uh food and poverty and there's all there's so many other issues that are on on the table that um when there is no tourism it's uh it's really not a good place uh for, for those countries so they're really looking to bring in the tourists and with that comes influencers and writers and and others who are are hopefully inspiring travel which i haven't really been doing for the international side uh, right. but quite yet but i think we're getting there we're slowly mm-hmm. getting there but it's going to be intricate 
and complex moving forward too. Yeah. Do you find it tough to turn these people down that are approaching you still to travel to these countries that are allowing travel in? Do you find it tough personally to say, listen, I I would love to, but I just can't, or is it just that easy to say, you know what? I just can't period. No, it's always tough when you know the impact of travel and, and tourism to those countries, because like I'm an empath and I understand the need uh, on one front, but then I also understand the consequence on the other uh, for long-term. So it's, it's really just this balance. And I think it's never going to be as a, a, a perfect time to do it, but it's going to get better uh, yeah. moving forward. And I think, yeah, it's it's all these press conferences I've been on and and uh, panels and conversations we've had about when is it right and and uh, what is like how are each of those receiving countries handling it? How is it even being checked? Like even from a tour operator perspective, let's say it's it's uh, complicated and not universal, and yeah. it's going to be quite a new path. For sure, you founded the Curious Creature back in 2013. What was the inspiration behind starting that? I think I, I just wanted to share what I love and connect people to things that made me happy uh, in hopes that it would do the same for them. And, and as I said, my friend had, had suggested this as an avenue of uh, sharing my travel content that I already had and then hopefully giving tips to people to who are going on the same um, same type of trips. And mm-hmm. that's really that's really what was the inspiration behind. It. And over the years, it's it's grown and it's become different types of content and, and contributors. I have people who write for me. Okay. Um, and, and share their voices and, and their experiences, which is great. Cause I can't, uh, as I said at the beginning with the juggling of the hats, can't yeah. do it all. So, you know, I, it's, it's nice to be able to be at a place where I can hire writers and, and photographers and stylists and um, videographers and all that fun, fun jazz to, to build because that's, that's the best part of the, the community there. Did you find that it picked up steam and popularity pretty quickly once it's, once you started doing it on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I feel like it was the perfect time, but I think any time is the perfect time. So I say that with a, yeah. with a little grain of salt. Um, yeah, it just, it was, it was a time, I think in, we start. I started in 2013, I kind of let everything be organic for, and not really um, in a, on a paid capacity for a, at least a year, I would say. And then in 2015, I started seeing a huge push in digital campaigns, lots of money from a PR side, lots of money in uh, digital activations and bringing on influencers and writing a lot, um, uh, like having presence on blogs and things like that. So it was, it definitely was a good time to start uh, because I kind of feel like I was there at the beginnings of the paid push, (laughs) meaning that you can actually make it into a business. I mean, it's really lovely to share everything without, um, without a financial backing there, but like, I I wasn't able to do that. And I I consciously made my website ad free, which is like very, everyone has a different business model, but mine has no ads, but it has sponsored posts. So uh, they, I became reliant on those relationships uh, to run the site basically. So I only, I only share what I love, but Mm -hmm. it it does have to um, align there. And there's no, yeah, there's no ads on the sides in the middle of the bottom of the the page. So to keep that clear, I had to make some other strategic decisions. Right. What was your basis behind that decision? I just personally didn't like reading content and being disturbed. Um, So when I, when I read it and I see, I get distracted. I have, it's almost like I have ADD when I'm on website, (laughs) there's all these things popping up and I lose the sentiment behind Mm -hmm. the the story. I, I don't have the flow and because it did it to me, I I was like, I'm not, I'm going to try to do it differently. And, and, and everyone has a different business model. Like I do Instagram campaigns and people hate that, but you know, there's a lot of people who just, they just do not like to see Instagram ads pop up on their feed. They want to keep it organic, but then when they drive you to their website, that's where the ads are and that's where they're making the revenue. So everyone is different. I don't judge anybody's way. I just, you know, when I, when I designed mine, I thought I want to keep it clutter free uh, indefinitely and also have more control over the content. Uh, because I found that when I saw these ads, oftentimes they were popping up in very strange places uh, or, or strange subjects that weren't really aligned with what was actually being written about. Now they've gotten a lot more sophisticated, but at the beginning I was like, "Whoa, this is a strange ad to put in." <laughs> I didn't realize there was people on the other side, you know, doing it. Wasn't the actual uh, publisher who was doing it? It was, right. it was the, the ad <laughs> teams, but yeah, it was it was strange for me. So that was a conscious decision back then to okay. not go that route. <laughs> Now, you've been recognized by publications for your blogging. You were listed as one of the top 10 Toronto lifestyle bloggers and one of the top five Toronto food bloggers in 2018. What do these accolades mean to you personally? 
I have a very strange uh, perspective on this one. <laughs> and that is, I am grateful. Mm-hmm. And it's very nice to be seen and recognized. But the fle- the feeling is so um, temporary and fleeting for me. It, it doesn't really... It doesn't really sink in. It doesn't feel, and maybe because I've never really looked to external validation, like it's never really made me feel whole uh, to to have someone else say that was a great job. Um, And I I don't know if it's a personality thing. I haven't really dug too deep in that or how it was raised, but it's just, it's it's nice. I'm grateful, but it's not everything and it's, or anything really to me. Like it's, it's just, it's because I also know how these lists come to be or these accolades and these awards. And it's really oftentimes who, you know, how it's, how you're, how the nomination works, uh, you know, what that person who's writing the piece, like how long they've had to research these and, and, and what their input <laughs> from, right. from a media perspective is. So they're often not capturing um, the best of the best, I would say, in my opinion, but it's also, it's also <laughs> not to be self-deprecating, but like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's an opinion. It's an opinion right. and it's it's lovely to be considered and to be recognized, but it's not something that I feel is my fuel and that would really um, just make me feel like I'm on top of the world. Like I'd rather get that compliment from a, a close friend or family right. and that would mean so much more uh, than, and it's, even when I worked in PR and communications professionally, you know, submissions for these awards, like I just, I know how much work there is in that. And oftentimes people just don't have the time to do it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not that their work isn't a value to be recognized. It's just that they either didn't know it existed or they didn't have time to put together the materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oftentimes it's these, these larger teams that have those resources. So I'm a, maybe I'm jaded. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that's jaded. You just, you know what the process is. So I guess you, you... I mean, like you said, you appreciate it, but it's not anything of significance to you because you know how the process works. So that makes complete sense, 100%. So no no uh, need for awards for me in the future. I, I, do, I do like edible prizes. So like, you know, if I send a pizza perhaps, maybe it's just a, where, where my love language or something. <laughs> that would mean a, a pizza would mean so much more yeah no it's I definitely I and I have all these awards um that I've won throughout the years even in the, on, the, on the professional side and most people you know have a beautiful area in their home where they display it and, and, and mine are literally I think they're collecting dust in the garage I don't even know where they in are a box in the garage on the up on the shelf <laughs> but again grateful grateful yes. and maybe without them I would want them I don't know maybe yeah. that's the case um maybe I'm just speaking for a very uh fortunate perspective but yeah, that's 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 my uh answer to your All question right. that's okay hey it, it's honest so do you have a main focus for your blogging? Like, is it lifestyle? Is it travel? Is it food? Or is it just all encompassing, like under the whole hospitality umbrella? I would say travel and food are the main pillars. They are what I was founded in, like the Curious Creature was founded in. And they are what will continue to propel me forward. I know I know those are my main pillars. And then sometimes there's some lifestyle. I mean, when you have a child, as you know, like it, it changes everything. And yes. there's a lot of questions that are being um, asked of me that are that would pertain to outside those two uh, realms. But mostly, I would say travel and food. On Instagram, it's uh, sometimes there's some lifestyle things that creep up. Uh, but yeah, those are those are the ones that really I'm passionate about and I want to share about and. The rest of the stuff, like you'll never really see me doing like fashion or beauty or mm-hmm. um, anything in that capacity, just because I, even though I worked in that realm, I used to work in fashion week many years ago. Right. I just didn't really feel like writing about it or sharing it or, or talking about it on a social platform for now, at least. I mean, things change as you move forward, but those are, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Right. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career as a blogger? Just start. Yeah. I think a lot of people think about it too much and get in their own heads and think that, you know, Oh, this already is out there and they're trying to formulate something that's unique. And if you listen to your own voice and your own intuition and your own unique experiences and just start whatever realm you want to, you know, go in mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on your niche, but just start. It's, it's uh, stop thinking too long on these things and just do it and then learn as you go. And as a lot of entrepreneurs will say the same, like if, if you just need to get those wheels in motion and 
you'll find your path, you'll find your voice, you'll find all these experiences that enrich you and that you want to share with the world. And you don't really know what that looks like until you start. And right. if you don't start, then you know you have you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> it. It just passes. But it's never too late to start either. So you can start when you're like 82 if you want. <laughs> there's, right. a, there's no no age gap. I mean, it's yeah. It's really, um, it's really whenever you want to start sharing it. Did you deal with your own self limiting beliefs when you first started? Was there a while where you thought I want to do this, but and came up with the excuses like you were just mentioning, or did you just say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to just do this and that's. Yep. That's exactly what I did. And you know what? Naivete is a blessing. <laughs> Sometimes when you don't know enough about the industry or where you're going, it's you, you don't really ha- have those critical thinking uh, questions or thoughts or, or self-limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know enough about the blogging industry and how many people were in it already when I started. Right. I, I didn't really like research it. I just, because I, I was doing it as really a passion project to share my travel itineraries with my friends like it was it was not meant as a business so I wasn't looking at it from a strategic point of view of, you know where is there a gap in the industry how am I going to like fill that niche yeah. like there was none of that and and to this day I still you know try to go with what I'm passionate about but there isn't this um thought process of is this unique enough has someone done this before is this going to you know really it, it, I just do it <laughs> it's because I also believe that everything exists in duplicates and nothing's an original so like yeah. I mean if you look deep enough you'll find the from music to, to art to, to social media to whatever there's always going to be overlap um it's what what makes us unique is us and there is no other soul maz uh that's like well there's right. kind of name <laughs> but not another person <laughs> that's, that's like me and 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 no one will be able to express themselves like me and and that was really what helped um me like always come through and mm-hmm. share my own voice is that I just uh every time even if that thought creeps in because it you know it, a lot of people talk about that yeah. uh, about self-limiting beliefs then I just kind of say like thank you for coming and you can go now this to yeah. this thought because I'm me and no one can be me and, right. and hopefully you know that fosters a good energy around me to build a community that that likes me for me and, and there's enough people on the planet um to find a community for everybody I think that's amazing because so many people struggle with it. and that self-limiting belief can be so crippling I mean I've struggled with it and I know I have but getting to that mindset where it's like no and that is exactly it is there is no other me. No one else shoots the way I do. No one else takes a photograph the way I do. No one else has my eye or sees things the way I do. So it's just getting into that headspace and, and removing that or getting the fuck out of your own way. That is exactly. the hard part for a lot of people. So many people struggle with it and it prevents them from doing what they want to do in life. And they end up staying in jobs that they absolutely hate and, and can't stand being there. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible place to be for sure. It is. And, you know, I'd like to say, because people have asked me how I got this almost mm-hmm. like a confidence and in, in yeah. that thought. And I've dug deep thinking like maybe it was my parents, like my parents are immigrants. Uh, they always liked structured life. And, you know, they, they, they brought me here to thrive, um, you know, through education and then through my profession. And then, you know, all that went down. <laughs> I was like, thanks, thanks for all this. I'm not going to pursue. I'm not um, using any of it, but yeah. Well, I mean, you're using, I'm using all of it. I would say that because you know the science background taught me yeah. certain things, and right. the, the government background taught me other things, and they all have kind of just uh, fed into who I am now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it wasn't actually really taught. Like my mom unconditionally has always loved me and said, you know, I can succeed at whatever I want. Right. But at the same time, saying like, you know, stick to your lane, um, and, 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 and having self-limiting uh, beliefs for sure. And imposing those, I think it was my best friend really, who was a rebel at heart, uh, you know, from grade six onwards, she was just always telling me to, uh, not listen to the exterior voices and, mm-hmm. and just do me. And, and she was very, uh, strong in that position. And that one friendship, I think is, is really the root of how I've been able to look at everything moving forward. Um, and, and really just trying to not limit myself and to just put it out there and then yeah. let the universe decide, you know, right. where, where, where it's going to go instead of just thinking about it and thinking about it and tweaking it and, and thinking it's not good enough and, mm-hmm. and just like, holding myself back. And uh, I, I hope that everyone's able to, to get to that place at one point and really just come into themselves because it's such a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And it's such a comfortable and, 
it just, everything feels natural. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel confined. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel restricted and you can just be. And like, that is the best. It's so freeing. You know, yeah, it is. It is literally like a free fall. Like it's, it's a beautiful feeling. Like yeah. you have wings and you can just do whatever you want. And right. it's not all, you know, it's not all positive experience, of course. Like it's, I'm not <laughs> delusional. There's a lot of challenges and things that come up, but you do, you do you and you're a hundred percent true to you. And that's a, uh, that's a really great place to be. Yeah. More, more people need a friend like yours. <laughs> I know. Right. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah. But you're right though. I mean, I think that with entrepreneurship, it gets romanticized and, and fantasized and it, it just gets put up on this huge pedestal. That's the greatest thing ever. And it is great. Don't get me wrong. It is an amazing thing. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but there are downsides to it too that I feel personally that don't get talked about enough. Oh my gosh. Oh, discussions yeah. need to happen more yeah. often. Right? Yeah, you can't. And it's the same with everything that's been romanticized, to be honest, Brad. I was yeah. talking to somebody about like, you know, how you see lawyers in law and order or how you see a chef on, on Top Chef. And like, we're seeing these, these final products and yeah. uh, oftentimes you're not seeing the stories and struggles behind it. Or even if it exists, it's not like people aren't sharing them. They are, you're not really in tune. Like you're just listening and looking for that final result. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, if, if you're, if that's what you're, you're seeing and not the struggle, it's, it's romanticized and it's not, it's not a reflection of what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> and then people get into those fields and think, whoa, this isn't what I was expecting yeah. at all. Like this, <laughs> there's so much more to this and yeah. it's not all fun and games. And a lot of it is like, you know, most of my days spent looking at contracts and reviewing legal terms and, and like and invoicing and doing admin stuff and things that people, you know, wouldn't necessarily get into the, this space for, but mm-hmm. it's gotta be done. And if yeah. it's a solo entrepreneur situation, you do it yourself and everything else, you know, it's a lot. It's a huge roller coaster ride and that's exactly what it is, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's- no, neither would I. Once you've tasted the freedom, I feel like it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, I, I considered it and I get, um, because I work as um, like in a contract base or freelance base, sometimes with tourism boards or with brands, like they'll ask me to come on and, and work as a, as a full-time employee. And it's so the money sometimes is very tempting. Uh-huh. And, but then I, like that brain kicks in it's like, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> you like the economy. This is not <laughs> worth, you know, you're going to have these um, yeah, a little bit of a confined institutionalized yes. approach if you if you do that and and I didn't like that part so I, I always tell myself to, to bring yourself back graciously <laughs> decline thank you but no thank you yeah, I appreciate the offer but I'll, I'm gonna have to pass yeah so how long after you started blogging did you realize hey I can actually do this for a living and make money at it how long did that step take for you I feel like it was about a year or so. Yeah, I would say between like 2013, 14, the PR, like when I was working in PR and freelance, I started seeing influencers brought into the fold. So they were being invited to events. They were Mm -hmm. uh, being asked to do campaigns and they they were just starting to have a lot more prominence in in the uh, media realm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I think it was around then I was like, oh, wait a minute, this thing that I'm doing as a passion project (laughs) can actually become a business and I could, I could be one of them. And that is my favorite part is to, to share my experiences. So why would I be tied to working for like just one brand or one company? Whereas I can do this for everything that I love Uh and and I'm passionate about and and be my own business in doing so. Do you remember what your first paying gig was as a blogger and who it was for and what the topic was that you wrote about? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first couple of years, yeah, organic content, lots of travel focused, no no paying at all was involved because I was I was also working as a freelancer, so it was really not my, my source of income. So that that was just organic. Um I think my first press trip, which was also unpaid, was to Miami and it was with my dream brand for travel, and that was the four seasons, and it really kicked off my my four seasons relationship for years to come after and and continues. Um, So that was, that was my first press trip, but my first paid one, I feel like was for Corona beer. I don't know. I don't want to say the word Corona now, Uh, but yeah, it was for for an off the grid campaign, which ironically encouraged me to put down my phone, even though it was a social media campaign Mm -hmm. 
for for an extended period I think it was like a a weekend or something like that and and it was in 2015 so that was one of my first paid I think it was with Anheuser-Busch and and uh yeah it was it was a big deal um because I it was my first one I think yeah that that that's the first one that comes to mind I don't think there was anything before that but I think 2015 was really the year that for me and for many other uh digital content creators the, the paid collaboration started to be uh like in, in basically getting some funding uh, from the digital marketing side and yeah. they started to kick off. And yeah, so that was kind of the, the beginnings of where we're at now. <laughs> okay. What would your dream gig or blog or article for you to write for which publication or which brand would be your dream gig? Well, an entrepreneur I am. So I would say... <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have, um, I've been asked a few times this week, actually, about um, doing, like, creating my own podcast or creating my own show, which I, I, neither of the ideas uh, resonated because they were very specific and topic, but the one I would like to do would be, I have an eating with a local series where I travel and I meet random locals uh, who I've never had any contact with around the world. And then we, um, I put my stomach in their hands and we we eat together. And so much comes out of that conversation about everything from politics to family dynamics to, to food, culture, everything you can think of. Um, and I would love to have a show on whichever platform would host it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that really is back to that human interaction once you know safely we're able to do so uh but really just sitting at a table with someone who's completely foreign and having a meal and having that meal introduce you to their life and their culture and their and their and their themselves (laughs) that would be very cool that would be very cool yeah hopefully one day i'm sure you'll get there one day when we can get back to traveling safely right yeah eating with a local is like a, a hard one because you're actually sitting with the locals. Yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a just eating like a local or eating you know it's, yeah. it's, it's really with the person so hopefully once everyone is uh is safe i can pr- do more of those because those are super, those are super fun and random and unplanned and spontaneous and yeah which makes for the best content right spontaneous and just roll with it the best sometimes dangerous but usually yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah, sometimes i could see that yeah where are we going that looks yeah. good work. yeah are you sure about this this doesn't feel it's always right. it's always a pole in the walls that are the best food, yeah so. very true very true what are some of the challenges you faced early on in your career as a blogger and how did you overcome them well at the beginning no one really wanted bloggers at the table and i would say even so now, sometimes um, I feel, especially from a traditional media standpoint, it felt like um, we were invading in a way. And mm-hmm. I've always said there's a place for all types of media. Like it's, it, you need that. It would be a very unhealthy media environment if it was just dominated by bloggers, influencers, or just dominated by uh, traditional. Like I think it's it needs to be a little bit of both. So, mm-hmm. but at the beginning, yeah, the, the, it was not it was not fun in that sense because you really felt like an outsider and, and like that look of like, why is she here? <laughs> especially, especially on press trips. So when I started doing press trips and I think it was yeah, 2014, 15, um, it was almost, it was almost annoying. I think for the people to see me even taking, I wasn't taking photos myself, but to even see, ask me, sorry, even if I asked to step off the bus to take a photo of something or to experience something, because a lot of the writers that were with me and a lot of the public doesn't necessarily um, have a grasp too much of of the, of how this works, but like if they're doing a top 10 of, you know, top 10 beaches in Bermuda, oftentimes they're not even, they haven't even been to Bermuda. Uh, They're they're just doing research and they're doing diligent research. Really? doing what yes so like oftentimes you read these these articles and it's it's not a person who's actually been there it's 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 something that's a roundup you know of of very diligent research Uh, or maybe they've been to a couple of them and not like one of them but for as a blogger and influencer I felt like that was all I needed to do was to experience it I had to experience it because people look to me for that that feedback like how was it how did you feel how did and a lot of times on these trips, I found that the tr- traditional writers were were very happy and content to sit on the bus and hear, you know, information about it. So like we're, we're driving past an adventure park 
and they would just, you know, they would tell them the facts, like how many rides there are or um, how long it's been around or how big it is or things like that. And they were, they were perfectly content taking notes. And I was like, can I get off the bus and try a ride? Cause like, I, I can't like create content. I, I can't write. Well, that's, I that's, that's an authentic experience the way you do it. I would think. Yeah. And it's not all right. I mean, no some writers are not like, like, I mean, it's not to categorize anyone. No one's a monolith, but like the writers that I had experienced with my first few press trips, I was like, Oh, this is very interesting. So like, you know, do you not need to experience it? Oh no, I've already done, you know, like, let's say sunset cruise or something like that. And it's like, well, but not in this specific place. This is. That's exactly uh, it. Yeah. It was, it was strange to me. It was strange to me. And it it was consistent on, I would say the first like seven or eight press trips at least where I felt very much like an outsider every time I asked to try things and uh whether it be food or experiences or whatever um it it was it was strange um so that's yeah it was definitely a challenge um and then that's changed too though like i find that over the years uh the people on these tours too like oftentimes they were tour operators and not just traditional media so now they have individualized trips for each category and and it goes as it needs to and i think maybe because they were uh mixing us all up into one one mm-hmm. big trip was the there was some conflicting interests but yeah it was it was it's a challenge and even now like when i'm on clubhouse people will say like sometimes you know when they show up at events and things like they just feel still like they're not accepted by the the community but right. um you know it's it's kind of the the next wave i think and we have right. to we have to learn how to coexist and and i always th- think there's so much value in traditional media and they do such different work than I do I it's completely different and necessary and critical in in terms of their thinking their research and uh, yeah I think that they need to we need to have both crazy wow I had no idea well there you go I learned something today (laughs) well from from my experience you know everyone's different but those those are my press trips they were very very challenging and very strange to date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? Well, personally, my family, because, mm-hmm. you know, I have a little one who's four yeah. years old and that just changes life completely and, and um, it's the most fulfilling thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but professionally, I would say uh, I have a continuous partnership with Tourism Toronto and mm-hmm. it's to promote my beautiful city. And as much as I travel everywhere, I every time I go somewhere else, I really, really come back with so much more love for the city and appreciation for the city. So when I pitched it to them back in, I think it was 2015 or 16, they were trusting of me and allowed me to share my lens unedited, unfiltered um, through their Instagram, through their blogs, their website. And that partnership has been very, very fulfilling to me because it's it's my home. I love it here. I love sharing all of my experiences and helping others kind of see the the um, the little gems around the city, whether it's food or places to go. And yeah, that's been really, uh, I think, my favorite partnership to date, and continues to be. <laughs> what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that helped you, that's helped you become successful? I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm basically a toddler that never grew up. <laughs> why? 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 Why is usually the biggest one, the biggest question. Um, so yeah, question, asking a lot of questions and not being afraid and regardless of status. So I've worked across industries where I've worked, you know, as a with interns at Fashion Week to working at the Toronto International Film Festival with like A-list celebrities. And it for me, it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Like if, if I, I, I just find human conversation interesting and questions interesting. And, right. and I like, I, I think that that's really helped because when you ask questions, you share your story and then people right. resonate and then you just kind of grow together and leading to a large network. I think without my network, I would be nowhere. So just by having conversations with people, I've been able to grow this network and then, and that's kind of my superpower is that connection, I guess, uh, with people. Yeah. Community is definitely key. You can't lose with community. Yeah. It's everything. It's so beautiful. Like the growth with community is so beautiful and it's so funny that it's like from that, like that individualistic look at life mm-hmm. and when you expand it and you and you grow together like I can bring on a photographer I can bring on a writer and we can you know go together on these things and yeah. this journey and grow it's it's so amazing and it's really the key to exponential growth to be honest because yeah. uh, without that you you can't really grow that fast as, as a single sure. person sure. 
Everybody wins with community. You cannot lose. 100%. I totally believe it. I've always believed it. And I always found people who didn't believe it to be very strange creatures. <laughs> For sure. So speaking of success, how do you define success? What does that word mean to you, Solmaz? Well, I know money and status don't play in. Autonomy does. Uh, but mainly, I think feeling aligned uh, and fulfilled with my own core values and beliefs. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel like once that's aligned, I'm happy and I feel successful and I don't really need to reach for more. Um, it is difficult to maintain a balance of that, of course. Right. Uh, but, so that's that that's kind of the driving force. But yeah, I, I don't define it in a traditional sense. Uh, I never thought, you know, the institutionalized, again, again, maybe leading back to the accolades and awards, like none of that really uh, helped define the success. It was more so about these healthy relationships with myself, with the people around me, uh, and just feeling really aligned and um, not pulled away from who I am. Authenticity. Beautiful. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Laz, what would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? The one I've been repeating over and over again this year is, and I don't know who it came from. This is the best part. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) maybe we can find the source. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yes. Once I let that sink in, I was like, yes, (laughs) it's so true. We can do anything. It's truly possible, but it's when you try to do everything where it all goes to, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's, you, you really can't. And in a society where, again, the, the final products are always show, shown to us and we see this perfect outcome at the very end of, you know, all these years of trials and tribulations, yeah. you, it, it can become very um, tempting to cherry pick and to put this beautiful life together that no one ever has ever had like you know that my my athletic friend to my home decor friend to my like beauty yeah. the world traveler the family of five like you know you cannot have all that at once it just does cannot coexist so I think that you can't you can do anything but not everything really resonates and helps ground me and think you know like I, I there's not I can't stretch myself to that, those yeah. limits. I will, I will break. Yeah. So I, I think that one's good, but I don't know where it came from. I, maybe even a clubhouse chat. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I, I, I tried Googling the quote and there's half of the quotes are there, but not the whole thing. But um, my mom did always say the beginning part that you can do anything, but she yeah. failed to mention the, you can't, <laughs> the rest do, anything. You can't <laughs> do everything. So that's <laughs> very sage advice for sure. Uh, what was a turning point in your life and how did it affect you? Well, I've had a few, but I would say the biggest one would be uh, when I dropped out of my master's degree uh, in just a few short days. So I had graduated U of T. I was going into pre-med. I got accepted to pre-med at McMaster. I walked in. I was ready to start that. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my life that my gut was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. This is not your path. Like this is not for you. And it was nothing specific. Uh, I hadn't even had like a test yet or anything like that. It just, it would, it did not sit right. Um, and I knew that it wasn't for me and I needed to get out and I needed to get out now. It was almost like an emergency. Like I just needed to, to not be doing this. Um, and I couldn't really put my finger on what it was, but it was the first time my intuition was, was very, very strong. So I, uh, I left. And for the first time in my life, I left without a plan. I had no plan. All my life planned, strategic, like organized the way my father and mother, you know, trained me to be, uh, especially yeah. from an immigrant perspective. You know, you came here to succeed and, and here we are. And uh, I knew I was going to be successful and I didn't want that to be the only reason why I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I graduated with, with high honors at U of T and like I, I knew I could master the science and, and do well. And, and, and I, but I just couldn't see myself moving forward in this career path. So I left. And I had no plan. And <laughs> I sat at my parents' house uh, being very miserable and sad about my life and, and how I didn't know what was next. Uh, and then one of my friends actually sent me a, a link to an internship at the Ontario government. And it was in a field I knew nothing about, communications. And I applied and I went in and I talked and I did many, many exams and tests and things that they had like five levels of entry for those internships. They were paid and I got in 
And I got in and I thought, what is this? Uh, what am I doing? <laughs> I know nothing about this. I mean, other than what I what I'd researched online, but it seemed like everything that I loved to do was kind of in there in, in, yeah. in the realm of communications. I just had never heard of communications as, mm-hmm. as a profession. So um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but it was really what led me to where I am today. That decision is uh, taught me everything. I need to know communications after becoming an intern. I worked full time for seven or eight years there. And then, I went to the private sector, worked there for a few years and really built the skill of mainly media relations, issues management, um, crisis communications. I was at all these big ministries when big crises were happening um, and I was able to learn a lot. And I had incredible leaders, uh, mainly except for one, <laughs> and they were they taught me so much and they gave me so uh, much of their wisdom and knowledge that carried me forward and that's that's kind of where that came from like all, all everything that I am today is because of that experience really but it was a big turning point that dropout uh was, no was soul crushing because it was like at the time as we know like our problems at the time seem insurmountable <laughs> it was it was like the end of everything yeah. no, no plans <laughs> yeah and, and it was really like in my family just fell and and my my parents were very supportive like they knew that uh whatever it was it was really internal struggle for me that I would never do something like this it was very out of character for someone who's very very planned and methodical and and uh but it just didn't feel right and then later on years later I realized why I had so much fear into going in that realm and it was a psychological one it was really because um I'm such an empath Mm -hmm. and I, I started understanding as I was volunteering in hospitals and working that it just wasn't a space I could thrive in because I literally every single person I like emotionally connected to it on such a deep level that if anything ever happened and you know, as in a hospital setting, things happen and yeah. it just, it was, I, I couldn't see myself crying myself to bed every night, basically. And the people, the strength that our medical community has mentally to be able to deal with anything, let alone this pandemic yes, is always been so awe-inspiring to me. Like they are, they are like, to me magic like I don't know how they're able to to do that and my mom was a nurse so like I, I definitely saw saw that altruism and, and yeah. I just it wasn't for me but I didn't realize at the time that was the struggle like I really had to dig deep to be like what is this like it's not a science thing it's something else it's deeper but it was really because I knew that emotionally I could not handle it I, it was not a path for me it, I yeah. couldn't take it I couldn't take it on and I and I praise and value and appreciate anyone who can because mm-hmm. it's, it's a tough it's a tough career absolutely <laughs> what makes you feel inspired or like your best self people generally people um people are my biggest inspiration which is why i would like to travel the world meeting more people <laughs> uh, the stories they share just resonate and they're they're basically my fuel yeah. um, with different ideas and perspectives and thoughts and and languages and music and everything it just it it's what really propels me forward and they make me challenge my own views and perspectives which is refreshing I don't like people who agree with me as much as much as I like people who challenge me Um, I think I learn best that way and nature too uh yeah people and nature because I find uh nature to be very inspiring just uh humbling and just gives me a different perspective that I wouldn't have if I didn't uh go to the so much out there that are that is much larger than us that's exactly what exactly yeah lots of existential reflections mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> lake side or ocean side or yeah. cliff side <laughs> sure. who would you say have been the three most influential people in your life mm, definitely my mom mm-hmm. um my my best friend the the yes. one who, who made me have my yeah. thoughts and I think I mean my husband for sure but I would say my grade two teacher, I think that's when we immigrated to Canada. Um, she, Mrs. Muir, I'll never forget her. I hope she's still around and, and doing, doing her thing. Cause she really made me feel uh, welcome and not like an outsider and like I could do anything. And for a, a young girl to have that uh, at such, such as in, I think a crucial stage, like impressionable. A, integrating impressionable. And also like, you know, I was integrating into a new society. Yeah. I was learning how to read and write in a different language. I was yeah. learning the cultural differences. Uh, my parents were working full-time as immigrants in a restaurant, which is not their careers at all before. You know, they, they all of this changed, but I had this 
lovely lady who was like a beam of light. Like she was great. She was just really helped me um, believe that I can. And I think that's what teachers are unbelievable at doing like yes. really truly uh undervalued profession and such an important role they play for sure what does the word empowerment mean to you to be able to live in your own truth i think and share your voice and your thoughts without modification for sake of others in society <laughs> like to just be yourself I, th- I think there's a strength in that the good and bad uh I think I see it as like an inner feeling of strength and it kind of like just shines through <laughs> based mainly like if you think of it as a tree I guess like like the roots are strong strongly rooted in in love and uh it kind of is based in that and and it just shines through through the branches and yeah I, I see it visually it's it's interesting when I hear the word empowerment I see like this really strong tree <laughs> and uh, it's it's really standing in its in its own and yeah. and uh but but deeply rooted you know mm. you need that it's not just on its own but yeah, you see sure. the surface but there's so much more underneath yeah, beneath. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I think yeah it's standing in your own truth really and just just letting it all out, letting it shine. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Hmm. I learned very young about mortality. Hmm. Uh, I would say time is a gift. Mm -hmm. That's something that I learned when I was being raised during a war. (laughs) I think a lot of people, um, that is, have been through similar things have have a lot of gratitude for time mm-hmm. and it's hard to explain but yeah it's it's definitely the most important thing is that it's a gift and every day is a gift and tomorrow's never guaranteed and that's why I always try to live in the present and not really reflect too much on the past or think too much about the future because it's really the only thing we we have um and also that we're just a speck in the universe and yeah. I, even though everything can seem mammoth, it's, it's so small. It's so, so small. So I think those two, I learned quite early on in life and mm-hmm. I didn't know why I learned it, but then, you know, in future years, I, I put two yeah. and two together. <laughs> well, tomorrow's never promised to any of us. And time is definitely the most valuable commodity. Absolutely. Earth. Absolutely. Once it's gone, it's gone. Absolutely. I... Okay. We're going to do a little rapid fire section here. So one, Ooh, two, let's do measures. it. Um, to the next 10 or so questions money or fame neither okay. <laughs> can yeah. i say neither happiness okay if i had to choose between money or fame i would say money because fame destroys all okay early bird or night owl early bird how would you describe yourself in one word curious <laughs> truly that's why that's why the name yeah <laughs> if you're writing your autobiography what would the title be also related um curio- <laughs> curiosity didn't kill this cat <laughs> I <love it. laughs> you know i have to think about these things i could come up with a better title if i had more time <laughs> uh, that's, that's the whole point of a rapid fire section <laughs> what's the first thing you do when you wake up it's changed because of the pandemic, but because, during the pandemic, I'm very lucky to have a husband that gets my child ready for school and takes him to school. Wow. So I actually have breakfast and coffee and watch the news. All right. <laughs> How civilized. The rest That's of the day right. is not very so civilized, civilized, but that one little portion of the day is very civilized. Yes. <laughs> if you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Caution will question everything. <laughs> If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? More empathy and compassion for each other. I think too often we focus on differences and we are so, so, so similar. It's yeah, that's mind-boggling. I have to say, I um I had the experience of doing a job shadow um, with a friend of mine that works at the coroner's office. They were looking for a photographer um, for the coroner's office. And so I spent the day there and I got to witness an autopsy from start to finish all the way through. And the biggest takeaway from that whole day was exactly that. We are all the same. It doesn't matter 
what race, what religion, what color our skin is, we all end up in the same bloody place. I, I can't wrap yep. my head around why we have to fight all the time, why there's so much strife and bullshit in the world when it's so easy to be kind to one another. Yep. Greed, that's the answer. <laughs> and it, it's horrible Greed. because yeah. we all end up the exact same way, no matter who you are. You're going to end up in the same place, the same way as everybody else in the world. Yeah. yeah. It, it was the most incredible experience in my life. I will never, ever forget it. Hmm. Unpredictable, but so it's crazy where you learn those, those yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah. it's perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? My friends would probably say something very energetic. I like house music with a beat, but I would say probably Edith Piaf's Non, Je Ne Regrette Rien. No regrets. No regrets. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Love and happiness. Uh-huh. Both. <laughs> Entrepreneur life is? Harder than you think. Unpredictable, <laughs> rewarding, <laughs> but harder than you think. <laughs> yeah. My favorite way to unwind is? Spas. I'm a spa addict. It is the only time I put down my phone completely and just surrender. I, yes, spas. Okay. Yeah. Mom life is? Almost like entrepreneurship. Uh, rewarding, frustrating, <laughs> beautiful, ugly, a roller coaster of learnings, tears, happiness. Yeah. <laughs> the last book or podcast I listened to or read was? Oh my gosh, does Dinosaurs 101 count? Like 101 dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> they all have a toddler. Yeah, I know all the dinosaurs um, to their full extent. Uh, I, I think Life of Pi was my last one uh, that I read, actually. That was a very good book, actually. Very good. One you can read over and over again. And yeah. it makes, makes sense. I liked it better than the movie. I saw the movie as well, but the book. Same here. Much yeah. Better, much better, which is usually the case. Usually the case. What is your personal motto? I don't have one, but now I think I, I should have one. I, I'm going to have to think about it. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a personal motto. Okay. I never thought about it. What is the one common myth about your profession that you want to debunk? Uh, that influencers and bloggers just get paid to exist and to frolic around and be themselves. And uh, I think... Yeah, we're all entrepreneurs, we're content creators, photographers, writers, editors, researchers, stylists, analysts, legal, like everything under the sun, uh, just as any other profession would be that's yeah. entrepreneurial. Uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a misunderstood industry, but there's a lot that goes into it uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? be nicer to your parents. I was an awful child. I was awful. My teenage years were horrific. Like they worked full-time in a restaurant. They were never really there uh, because they were trying to feed us. (laughs) But I was, I was a rebellious teen. I was one that understood how to emotionally manipulate them. Just was not a good child. (laughs) Like between my, yeah, my teens, I would say once I got into university, it was great. I have been great since, uh, but yeah, I, I was, I needed to be nicer to my parents. You were a hell child. Hell I was not good. Yeah. Between like, I would say grade six or grade seven. Yeah. And, and university was a tough ride and I wish, I wish I was nicer because I know now how hard it is to be a parent and how much they sacrificed just even moving here and giving up everything that they had. And I don't know why I just couldn't see that as a teenager, but now I see it. And thankfully they're still around so I can pay my gratitude. Gratitude now it's not too late. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that's what it takes is for you to experience it yourself. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is a big part of your realization is becoming a mother. Yeah, huge. And also university. When I left them and lived on my own, that was that was the first time I realized, wow, wow, yeah. they've, they've done hey, a lot. This, and is, this is tough. I don't have them around to help me. They're yeah. not there yeah. as much to lean on, right? Exactly. <laughs> Lastly, Solmez, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, my gosh. 30 seconds. doesn't have to be exactly 30 seconds. Don't worry. Oh no, just speech, the last speech of the world is pretty deep. I mean, uh, I'm grateful for it all, the good and the bad. 
happy I lived in the now and realized that at an early age that tomorrow is never guaranteed. Feel good knowing I lived my life according to my terms and resisted the urge to fit in, which was the hardest part, <laughs> and stood up for what I believed and I treated people like I wanted to be treated. I think that's uh, that's really important. And I loved and lived with intent. Awesome. Thomas, thank you so much for being here, being a guest today and sharing your journey and your story with us here today and being part of the Empowerography community. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Lots of laughs, lots of insights. I've learned a lot today. Um, and I <laughs> thank just you so much to, for having me. Yes. It is my absolute pleasure and honor. I so appreciate you being here and sharing and being part of the community. It's wonderful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Well, you're doing incredible work and in, in fostering that community and bringing everyone together to share their stories. So I, I, you know, because of my answers that how much I appreciate community. So that's, uh, yes. that's why I wanted to be involved in this. And thank you so much for taking the time to ask me all these questions, things I haven't even thought about. So I'm going to go back and think about my personal motto. And <laughs> <laughs> Good. You'll have to tell me what it is when you figure it out. Right. And come up with a better autobiography and a better walkout song. Oh, I, like, I like the title. The title works. I like the title. You came up with. That was good. <laughs> Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Solmaz Hasrao Shahyan. Hasrao Shahyan, you got it. Did I get it? All right. <laughs> Thank you so very much for being here today. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day, Solmaz, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Brad. Care. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.